Today is the first day of this February 2024 two-day sashin. And for this sashin, I am going to be doing some readings from the book Faith in Mind by Chan Master Shen Yen. Chan, we'll be hearing that word a lot today, so uh, for those that might not know, Chan is, is, is Zen, Chinese Zen. And a little bit about Shen Yen. So he died in 2009, and I'm reading from the book cover. Uh, Chan Master Shen Yen was a widely respected Taiwanese Chan, Chinese Zen master, who taught extensively in the West, with 21 centers throughout North America, as well as dozens of others throughout the world. He has co-led retreats with the Dalai Lama, and he is the author of numerous books. And this particular book of his is his commentary on the poem that we chanted this morning, Affirming Faith and Mind, that really long one. And he delivered uh, his, his commentaries over the course of four seven-day sashins. So that's what this book is comprised of, or his, his teishos. This, his words are not academic or scholarly, but practical to Sashin. And, and when I, I learned that I would be leading the Sashin, I knew exactly what I wanted to cover. There were specific passages I wanted to explore. But um, a, a specific passages of affirming faith and mind are chant that I wanted to explore. But as I was reading this book, and this is the third time I've read it, um, I was picking up something else. You know how that is when you read a book again and again, you pick up different things. Each time that I'd read it before, it was in conjunction with a Dharma study of affirming faith and mind. This one wasn't. It was to prepare for the Sashin. And that's what I picked up on. The words were always there as to about Sashin. But because it wasn't um, intended as a, in conjunction with a study of this chant that we do, what I came away with was something different entirely. So what we'll be talking about over the next day or so will be some of Shen Yin's advice about the helps to Sashin practice and some of the hindrances to Sashin practice. I'll make few references at all to our chant, Affirming Faith in Mind. I'm surprised at that too. If, if you ever um, needed a cheat sheet to Zen, 
affirming faith in mind is it. Along with the chant we just did or the recitation we just did, Master Hakuin's chant in praise of Zazen, and um, the chant we'll be doing this afternoon, which will be the Heart Sutra, Prajnaparamita, Hiradaya. Cheat sheets to Zen. It's the inner world of Zen. But today, helps and hindrances to Zen practice, to Sashin practice specifically. <clears throat> and we'll start with the story. And this is how the story goes. Matsu sat in meditation for long periods every day outside his little hut. His Zen master, Wai Zhang, watched him one day and thought, he will become a very worthy person. Still, right now, he's a little stuck and needs some help. Noble one, he asked, what are you trying to get by sitting in meditation? I am trying to become a Buddha, Matsu replied with conviction. Hearing this, Wai Zhang picked up a rough clay tile that had fallen from the temple roof and began rubbing it against a rock. What are you doing, master? asked Matsu. I am polishing this rough tile to make it a precious jewel, the master replied. How can a roof tile ever become a jewel? asked Matsu. How can you become a Buddha through Zen meditation? Waijang replied, if you weren't already a Buddha to begin with. Walking, standing, lying down, sitting, who are you in each of these activities? Real Zen is not confined to sitting. Live Buddhas are not just found in the lotus posture. Hearing this, Matsu felt as refreshed as if he had drunk just drunk the most delicious drink. And that's the end of the story. So our first help to Sashin practice is remembering what Sashin is for. Truman, I need a clock. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. And <clears throat> I'm going to be reading from Chan Master Shenyan. And I will be skipping around. This is a whole book, so I'll be all over the place. And this is what he says. This is how he begins. The sole purpose of a Chan retreat, so again, we're talking Zen here, 
the sole purpose of a Chan retreat is to meditate. I could just end the talk here, but I won't. <clears throat> so I'll repeat that. The sole purpose of a Chan retreat is to meditate. The same is true for Sashin. Sashin means something like to unify the mind or to gather the mind. It's a practice that goes back to the time of the Buddha when during the rainy season they would do retreats, the monks and eventually the monks and the nuns. In Sashin, we are collecting our mind, unifying what is normally scattered and focusing it on the practice. I've heard it compared to like a magnifying glass, focusing the rays of the sun. causing an inferno. Shenyin says, you should keep your intention entirely on practice without trying to attain any results. Since many of you have traveled far or have worked hard to set aside the time, you have a great deal invested in this retreat. It is natural that you want to gain something. But once you enter the retreat, you must put aside any specific hopes. Practicing with a goal in mind is like trying to catch a feather with a fan. The more you go after it, the more it eludes you. <clears throat> there is this one gag that I find to be very much like seeking our goals in practice. He uses a feather with a fan, um, trying to catch a feather with a fan, and it's the old clown gag, where the clown, his hat falls off of his head, goes blowing away, and then he goes chasing after it and reaches out for it, and as he's about to grab it, kicks it, and it goes tumbling away. And then he goes running after it, as soon as he's about to grab it, he kicks it, and the hat goes tumbling away. That's how the goal-seeking mind works with practice. We can't attend to our practice with our eye on the prize, too. He says, <clears throat> any attachment or seeking will prevent your mind from settling down. And then he says, today, someone told me that the more he worked on the wado, so again, uh, we can, we can uh, use our word koan. So the more he worked on the wado, or koan, the more tense he felt. It was as though his mind had become knotted up. His problem is that he wants to see quick results. 
Pursuing the wado intensely with a desire to get enlightened is like tying yourself up and then poking yourself with a knife. The more you drive yourself, the more tense you will feel. The same principle applies to the body. If you react to pain by tensing the body, the pain will only get worse. If any part of your body feels painful, you should try to relax. Any involuntary movement of the body while sitting in meditation is also due to tension. That is, thus, it is important to constantly maintain a state of relaxation. And we'll talk more about relaxation a little later. He says, related to this are the problems that may develop from fixing your attention on a particular part of the body. For instance, some people try to make their breath flow more smoothly. But in trying to control the breath, it becomes abnormal. This is important. Whether we are working on a breath practice or koan practice or shikantaza, we're not controlling the breath at all. I know that different Zen traditions do different things with the breath. That some traditions may seek for the breath to be the inhales and the exhales to be even or for the exhales to be longer or there's something that's happening with the breath. In our tradition, it's quite simple. A long breath is a long breath. A short breath is a short breath. We're not changing anything. We're not trying to make it into something else. And and there's it's important because if the only way that we can be absorbed in our practice is by manipulating our breath then our concentrative ability will be limited. It'll be handicapped. And it's the same way with with the eyes, that if the only way that we can really concentrate the mind is by closing our eyes, then we, our abilities will be um, handicapped by that. So we... Keep the eyes open. Shenyan says, don't pay any attention, no, don't pay attention to any phenomenon that occurs to the body. If you're concerned with it, problems will arise. It is the same with the mind. You will be unable to practice unless you disregard everything that happens to you mentally. If you feel distressed or pained in any way, Just ignore it. Let it go and return wholeheartedly to the method, to the practice. Place your mind directly on the method itself. Concern yourself with nothing else. Now, he does say if you feel distressed or pained in any way, ignore it. Now, I would like to say a few things about about pain. Um, as we are sitting, we might notice that we feel numbness or pain. Um, 
we were given instructions as to what to do with num- numbness yesterday. Numbness is, is generally isn't harmful unless you, you're trying to walk on numb legs. Um, it can be caused by sitting too far back on the cushion or a cushion that's too firm or too soft. So if you find that you're having chronic problems with numbness, then try something different. And when it comes to pain, knees, back, shoulders, even if it's a dull, dull ache that can get intense, it's just one of those things we live with until the end of the round. And the secret to that, of living with the pain or the numbness, is to relax into it. Stay with your practice. Relaxing opens up space around the pain. Making it okay. Uh, Numbness and pain should go away as you walk. However, if it persists while you're doing kinheen, then you definitely need to find something different, a different way of sitting. And if in Zazen, whether you're getting into position or at some point during Zazen, if you experience a sharp pain, do move. I would much rather you be admonished by the monitors for moving than for you to sustain an injury. And if you do find yourself in a lot of pain, there is a, a, an exercise period. We call it an exercise period. It's not exercise. It's uh, stretching exercises, mostly. It can do a lot to, to help ease your pain and help your body be more flexible and loose. So uh, that was the help of remembering what Sashin is for. Our next help to Sashin practice is relaxing. Relaxing the body, relaxing the mind. Physically relaxing the body can help us let go of tensions in the mind. It's like, it's like physical tension and holding on to thoughts go hand in hand. I don't know which goes first, the chicken or the egg on that one. Is it the thoughts that come first and then causes the tension? The tension causes the thoughts? I don't know. But it's a loop that we want to break free of. Shen Yen says uh, these words. He says, I constantly tell people on retreat to relax, mentally and physically. But some people do not know how to do this. 
Others are too relaxed. As soon as they sit down, they slump over. You cannot practice this way. The Zazen posture, a proper Zazen posture, helps us relax while remaining alert. The, uh, the essentials of stability and alignment are what help us remain relaxed yet alert. So just a quick review. We are creating a tripod with, if you're sitting on, a, on the cushion, three points of contact, the buttocks and the two knees. Or if you're in a chair, the two feet and the buttocks. And the weight of the, buttock, of the upper body is evenly balanced on that tripod. Evenly balanced. If, the ba- if it's off and there's too much weight on the knees, then the knees will get sore. Too much weight on the buttocks, then the legs may fall asleep. Sitting on the sitting bones will um, create that pelvic tilt which supports the upper body. The body, upper body is aligned. We're not twisted or leaning. Ears aligned with the shoulders, aligned with the hips. Nose and navel aligned. Check yourself. Are you lined up? This alignment, it's, it's almost like a garden hose. When the garden hose is kinked up, there's all this noise and the water just goes spurting everywhere. But when the hose is straight and the water is able to flow smoothly, quietly, freely, It's the same with the body, the energy flowing through the body. And in that stable, aligned posture, we're able to let go, relax. Face is relaxed. Shoulders and arms dropped. Hands in our laps, thumbs lightly touching. Belly is rounded. Body and mind completely relaxed, yet alert. Shenyan says, continues, says, even though your mind is relaxed, you should hold tightly onto the method. Stick to the method and do not let it go. Now, I don't particularly like the word he uses, tightly. I, I like the word taut, T-A-U-T, or firm. We hold on to our practice firmly. I, I, I imagine it's like traveling with a child, say a six-year-old. You're in an airport and it's during the holidays, so it's crowded. 
you don't want to lose the child. So we hold on to the child's hand. But if we hold on too tightly, we'll hurt the child. But if we hold on too loosely, then the child could be swept away with the crowd. And we're separated. So we hold on to the child's hand firmly. It's the same with practice. Firmly. Shenyang continues. He says, but sometimes people take this advice and become nervous and tense. For instance, in counting the breath, some may become so intent on holding to the method that they end up holding onto the breath itself, thus breathing unnaturally. Or they try to get rid of stray thoughts by counting and breathing faster and faster. This tenses the body. You should hold tight to the method, but at the same time, you should not let yourself get tense. So that's about relaxing. Our next help to Sashin practice, we said a few words about yesterday during the opening words. It's not talking to oneself. Here's a story. There once were four young men who practiced Zen together. One day they decided to spend seven days of Zazen meditation in complete silence. Everything started off well, but when evening came at the end of the first day, the oil lamps became dimmer and dimmer. One of them couldn't help saying, we should fix those lamps. Another, surprised to hear the first one speak, said, We're not supposed to say a word. You two really goof. Why did you talk? Asked a third. Well, it looks like I'm the only one who hasn't broken down and said anything. Announced the fourth. They looked at one another and began to laugh. All had been equally foolish. They decided they'd have to try again. But this time, they would remain really alert. the end of that story. Now back to Chan Master Sheng Yin. He says, people like to talk, especially if they feel lonely. Those who tend to talk nonstop generally have difficulty with practice and also make it difficult for others to practice. In our Chan retreat, talking is forbidden, but there are still some people who who cannot resist covertly saying a few words. Others honor the rule and refrain from speaking, but that does not mean that they're not talking to themselves. All day long, while they are sitting They come up with a theme and then carry on a conversation with themselves. They ponder over all sorts of issues. And then he recounts, which I won't read, um, 
an author coming up with a book idea during a session and planning the whole book. I've heard of, of people, uh, people admitting to coming up with uh, Sangha Entertainment Night skits during session. He says, if you talk too much, either with your mouth or in your head, it will be difficult to make progress. When you find it hard to concentrate, it is very easy to start talking to yourself. You may not even be able to control it. And then skipping a paragraph here, he says, after a few days of practice, many people completely stop thinking about themselves and their outside affairs. However, they keep dwelling on my words. Whatever I say is meant to guide your practice, but when you are actually practicing, you should just use the method and not think about what I may have said. The less you talk to yourself, the closer you will be to the highest way. And it's true, whatever is said during the Zendo talks or in private instruction should be let go when it's over. When that talk is over, whatever you need will be retained. You don't have to try to retrieve it or think about it. Don't waste any energy mulling over anything that happens in Sashin. How do you do that? By picking up the practice and putting down everything else. Remember what we're here for. Next is a hindrance to Sushin practice. Making comparisons. It's a story. One day, a rabbi, in a frenzy of religious passion, rushed in before the ark, fell to his knees and started beating his breast, crying, I'm nobody! I'm nobody! The cantor of the synagogue, impressed by this example of spiritual humility, joined the rabbi on his knees. I'm nobody! I'm nobody! The custodian, watching from the corner, couldn't restrain himself either. He joined the other two on his knees, calling out, I'm nobody! I'm nobody! At which point, the rabbi nudging the cantor with his elbow, pointed at the custodian and said, <laughs> look who thinks he's nobody. Now to Chan Master Shenyan. He 
He says, I have often cautioned you against comparing your practice with that of others or your own self at different times. Such comparisons are only subjective. Today, someone burst out crying in the meditation hall. One person may have thought, oh, she's not doing so well. Another, I think she's becoming enlightened. Or else, maybe she's going crazy. None of these thoughts may represent the true situation. Whether she felt pain or sorrow, became enlightened or went crazy, it's her business. It has nothing to do with anyone else. Making comparisons inevitably means judging others. When you are sitting, refrain from looking around and sizing people up. A common type of comparison people make on retreat is to see someone sitting through three periods and think, how can he do that? Don't his legs hurt? Boy, my legs hurt all the time. I can barely get through one period. Now, um, yeah, we don't have that so much. Although we do have people that some people sit still through the Dharma talk, through the entire Dharma talk, and some people don't. Don't worry about that. We do sit facing out for chanting in the Dharma talks. And it can be tempting to see what other people are doing, to check other people out. And the same way during the other times, kini, meals, break periods, and work, the temptation is there. That's why we keep the eyes lowered at all times. To resist that temptation. For it not even to arise. He gives some example about comparing yourself. And then he says, uh, these are examples of comparing yourself to others. But you can also compare yourself to yourself. Perhaps you're having a miserable time from day one. Your legs hurt, you're generally uncomfortable and cannot get into the spirit of practice. You feel plagued with problems, but there comes a day when you feel great. Or it could be a block, or a round, or a moment when you feel great. Your body is comfortable and your mind is calm. You're pleased by this change of affairs and say to yourself, I finally got it. You've become so excited you can no longer meditate. Later, when your meditation is not as pleasurable, you may try to analyze how you sat so well that one time and why you're so uncomfortable now. Um, Shinyan um, has been talking about comparing ourselves to others in the Zendo and to comparing ourselves to ourselves at different times. Uh, there, are, there are also people who will compare themselves to the Zen masters, like Shenyan, Hakuin, Joshu. And this is an unfair comparison 
Most of these guys were monks and doing some sort of practice since childhood. If we are hearing about them in the stories, then they are the best of the best. And they are at their best. We don't hear about them limping around the zendo like us. Or falling asleep on their cushions. So, don't compare yourselves to them. And we don't know really what got embellished in the stories about them. But regardless, we are seeing them as when they're older, almost finished products. When we do find ourselves making comparisons, we can console ourselves that We are learning about ourselves in this process. This so-called other is a mirror of our own mind. What our priorities are, what's important to us, what's, what we value, our history. Anais Nin, the writer, said, We don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. There's a story of a man whose axe was missing. And he was convinced that the neighbor kid stole it. The kid looked like a thief, acted like a thief, walked like a thief, talked like a thief. He was a thief until the man found his axe. He simply misplaced it. And now when he looked at the kid, he looked like any other child. In affirming faith in mind, we say, for things are things because of mind as mind is mind because of things. These two are merely relative and both at source are emptiness. Some final words from Chan Master Shen Yin. Comparing good and bad is just deluded thinking. As long as you are immersed in these wandering thoughts, you will not enter the proper conditions for practice. Do not concern yourself with anything going on around you, nor should you be concerned with anything going on inside yourself. Focus fully on the method and do not make external or internal comparisons. If you can do that, your practice will be effective. Okay, that's all we have. This is a good place to end. Let's stop now and recite the four vows. <laughs> 